This radio show is prepared by Brent and Scott Polis, who are registered portfolio managers with Hollis Wealth, a division of Industrial Alliance Securities, Inc. This radio show is not an official program of Hollis Wealth. The views, including any recommendations expressed during this show, are those of Brent and Scott Bullis alone and are not endorsed or approved by Hollis Wealth or Industrial Alliance Securities, Inc. Hollis Wealth is a registered trademark of Industrial Alliance Securities, Inc. Hollis Wealth is a division of Industrial Alliance Securities, Inc., a member of Canadian Investor Protection Fund, CIPF, and the Investment Industry Regulatory Organization of Canada. And now, the Investment Strategy Show, a special financial broadcast on TSN 1260. Good morning, and welcome to the Investment Strategy Show for this August 19th. I'm Adam Pfizer, sitting in for Brent and Scott Bullis. Now, this is our second last show, and uh, to spice things up a little bit, I brought in a very special guest host, my good friend Justin Latoon. Pleased to be here. And the reason we brought in Justin is I was speaking with Brent this week when he was in the office, and he mentioned 25 years ago when he started the show, one of the big topics he always had was talking to people about how to find an advisor, whether it was with Brent, whether it's with the investment strategies team or anybody, how do you go about identifying who should be your financial advisor? And this is a pretty important question because of course there's two big facts that people don't necessarily consider about financial advice. And the first is that the majority of Canadians think they don't pay anything for it, but it turns out that it's probably the third highest expense in your whole life. So after housing and food, the third thing you're going to spend the most money on is financial advice. And second, of course, is that most people don't even pick an advisor. They generally end up just going with whoever they happen to get at the bank. So Justin, you know, you got two kids, full-time job. How did you end up with your financial advisor? That sounds a lot like what we did. It's a combination of just advice from the bank and maybe referrals from friends and family, but nothing really beyond that. Right. And so when you're at the bank and you ended up getting this referral, meeting this young gentleman or woman at the bank, what kind of questions did you feel you should ask them before they started managing your money? Honestly, just fairly generic questions. It's, it's not something we necessarily went into with a lot of preparation. It's just, I think you rely on kind of the advice from people you already trust and you just assume that the the people they steer you towards are probably going to be the right answer. And you know what, Justin, I think that's 100% what all Canadians have. We have a high level of trust in our big banks, and in many respects, that's warranted. But there are important facts we should all know about banks. So, for example, Justin, what do you think the major qualifications banks look for before they hire someone to manage your money? I honestly can't say I'm sure about that. Most people would say they think there's some sort of expertise, an educational background, a level of experience with other uh, with handling people's money. But the truth is, is the number one quality they look for is retail sales experience. I actually know this from experience, uh, coming out of university with a master's of business economics, I was very excited to get my toes into the industry and interviewed at several large banks. And every time I was told they were much more interested in my bartending experience and my ability to upsell people to cross sell products than they were in my educational background. And the fact that I understood how financial markets worked and had an interest in interest rates. In fact, I had one recruiter tell me straight up that they thought they were going to have to untrain me from what I had learned so that I could learn the proper way, the this particular big bank's way of doing things, which was very surprising to me and a little disconcerting that they were more interested in my ability to sell you things than in my ability to understand what I was selling. The other thing to realize is there's a certain way that bank people get paid, and that is with a sales focus. A lot of people in the world get paid with bonuses or with targets they have to meet. I'm sure, Justin, in your job, that's kind of what you have to do. Absolutely. And a lot of these times, these bonuses align interests. Justin wants to do a good job because his bonus is aligned with the client being well-treated and getting a product they're really proud of. 
But in the banking industry, this isn't always the case. In fact, they're generally incentivized to make sure they sell their own product. And in, to make sure they sell their own product, the advisor is rewarded far more. He gets paid a lot more for selling those funds and products that the bank wants them to sell, as opposed to the funds and products you might want to be offered. And so another point to really understand about the bank, and this might surprise people, is the duty of care they have. So Justin, are you, do you think the representative you deal with has a fiduciary duty? I would assume at some level they do. And so Justin, can you sum up for our audience what fiduciary means? Basically that the advisor would have to have your best interests in mind when he's making decisions or recommendations. Right. Which makes sense because you would think as a client, that's what the bank would want is the advisor to have the client's best interest. Turns out that's almost never the case. In fact, it's only the case in about 6% of advisors. And the reason for this is fairly obvious. If the advisor had your best interest at heart, it's really hard to sell the bank's own products. Now, what they do have is a good interest. In other words, they have to do what's in your good interest, but they don't have to do what's in your best interest. And that good duty of care significantly lowers the bar. You can pretty much make an argument that if you need Canadian equity exposure, buying any Canadian equity fund uh, is a good solution. But it's really hard to make the same case for the best care. So that fiduciary duty is really important to have. So Justin, do you think going back to the bank, it would be useful if you had some questions you could ask? Absolutely. So after the break, when we get back, Justin and I are going to explore what some of those questions should be and hopefully arm Justin and our audience listening today about how to approach an advisor, how to approach a new advisor, and what kind of information you need to get from them before you make a decision to invest your life savings with them. You're listening to The Investment Strategy Show with Brent and Scott Bullis, a special financial broadcast on TSN 1260. We'll get right back to it after this. Previously on The Nielsen Show. Troy Rankwith is on the show taking a look at the Denver Broncos. Give me the down low here on Case Keenum so far in camp. Case Keenum at that price point, $25 million for two years. If he resembles anything like the guy he was in Minnesota last year when he went 12-4 and four, counting the playoffs, they would love it. Early in camp, he's been more accurate than a DNA test. Monday, we'll continue our tour around the NFL. The Nielsen Show, weekday morning 6-10. Powered by Tire Capital on Edmonton Sports Leader, TSN 1260. You adore your Audi, love your Volkswagen, baby your Beamer. But when it's time to take her in for repairs, some of that love fades. That's because it can take several days and tons of cash for the dealership to do their magic. Let Cochran's Automotive rekindle the flame. They'll professionally repair your import, usually in one day. Audi, BMW, Mercedes, Volkswagen, Saab, and Volvo. Cochran's Automotive will return her to mint condition. Still open Saturdays, let Cochran's Automotive replace your timing belt before it's too late. Phone Cochran's Automotive for an estimate. 452-5001. Bell makes wireless better. Bell's network is now up to two times faster in select cities. So you can fact check your friend two times faster when he says watermelons are berries. And GPS a route to the cottage two times faster when your boyfriend gets you lost because he doesn't need directions. Or download a movie two times faster before hopping on the subway for the long commute home. Oh, wow. Watermelons actually are berries. Canada's best national network is now up to two times faster in select cities. Visit a Bell store or bell.ca slash network for details. Bell. Wireless just got better. Lowe's business customers. Until August 22nd, ask for 15% off when you use your Lowe's commercial credit card or Lowe's contractor rewards card. Credit offer subject to approval. Some conditions apply. Details in store. Plus, shop the big appliance sale and get five times Air Miles reward miles on all major appliances. And don't miss our big snow event. Save 33% on a Remington 21-inch gas snowblower, now only $399. While quantities last. See store or Lowe's.ca for details and exclusions. 
Welcome back to the Investment Strategy Show, a special financial broadcast on TSN 1260. Here's your financial coaches, Brent and Scott Bullis. And welcome back to the Investment Strategy Show. I'm Adam Pfizer alongside Justin. So to get started, Justin, when you went over in the first segment, why maybe just accepting whoever the bank points you towards is not the best option for you and your family in terms of investing. So how do you really get started? What do you think the first thing you should do is before you go in to talk to your advisor? I think probably having a good plan up front about the results you want to see, the level of risk you're willing to take, and sort of a, a medium and long-term plan about what you actually want to get out of the relationship. You really nailed it, Justin. The first thing you should do, and a stunning number of people claim that they don't actually do this before you go to the bank, is really think about how you want your money managed. There's a lot of different ways you can do my job. Some people take a really high-risk strategy, for example. They are stock pickers. They're going to pick the winning stock for you. It's going to go up dramatically or potentially down a lot, which they don't usually mention as much. But this high-volatility strategy will hopefully produce some good returns. Other advisors are buy-and-hold advisors. They are simply going to buy various stocks, mutual funds, ETFs, and hold them for the very, very long term, never selling them. Market goes down 30%, you're going to lose 30%. But hey, the longer you hold them, the better this will appear because, of course, stocks should go up a little bit every year and the compounding effects are great. Finally, you can get an active manager like the Investment Strategies team, who's sort of halfway in between. We will be upfront with you about what we expect. We will make sure that we protect your money first, make money for you later, and take a conservative approach. But again, as Justin said, the first thing he's got to do, along with his wife, of course, is really think about what their strategy is going to be, what is best for their family. So Justin, once you've sat down with Keely, your lovely wife, and talked about it and come up with a strategy, how do you think you should bring that up within the meeting with a potential or your current advisor? Well, he's a little dumbfounded because he doesn't quite uh, he doesn't quite understand or wrap his head around it. But that is perfectly normal. The key here that most people fail to understand is it's important you ask the advisor, whether he's your current advisor or a potential one, what their point of view is first. As we mentioned in segment one, these are salespeople. If Justin goes in and says, I really like a buy and hold strategy, I'd like you to buy some funds for me, I'll add to it every month and just don't ever sell them. Justin, what do you think the advisor is going to say? I think he's probably going to tell you that he's a buy and hold advisor. Exactly. It's called mimicking. A lot of advisors do it. Essentially, what they're going to look for is what you're, what you're selling. They're going to ask you to explain what you want. And the reason they do this first is because, of course, if they had to tell you what their procedure was, you'd be able to identify whether that was good or bad for you. A lot of advisors, as we mentioned, compensated through incentives, bonuses, commission. They're desperate to bring in assets. When you're desperate to bring in assets, you're not really looking for an exact client. You're looking for any client. So don't fall into this trap. Make sure the advisor explains to you what their process is, what kind of advisor they are, and then decide whether that fits your niche or if it doesn't. Now, after you've identified that the advisor is potentially good for you, that their investment philosophy matches your own, there's obviously many more questions you should ask. So one of the first ones is, you know, how often do you want to meet with an advisor? So, you know, Justin, you're a pretty busy guy. You and Keely don't have a ton of time. How often would you normally like to see an advisor? I'd say face-to-face, -face, usually maybe twice a year, but uh, we do like the flexibility of having some contact by email, telephone, uh, things like that. And see, that's really important for an advisor to know. Uh, some clients actually don't want any meetings. They're perfectly okay just leaving it up to the advisor. This is something we really discourage. Twice a year, though, is actually a little more. Not surprisingly, in Canada, the overwhelming majority of advisors see their clients once a year. 
It's usually in January or February when they're expecting an RRSP check. And that is the only time you hear from them. So again, make sure you're with an advisor, if you're Justin and Keely, who's going to see you twice a year, who's going to give you a phone call in between, maybe an email once a month, just to talk about how the account's doing, what the markets are looking like. If the advisor cannot deliver that level of service, if they can't hold up that end of the bargain, that's not a good fit for you. I'd also really caution people to try and get more contact with an advisor rather than less. What often ends up happening in our industry is what we call the victim, villain, hero triangle. And the reason it's a triangle is because people turn their money over to an advisor who is their hero. He's going to solve all your money problems. You don't even have to worry about it. You're just a victim who can't really understand this. This is a dangerous precedent to set because naturally when the advisor disappoints you, and these types of advisors usually do, he's now the villain. You can blame it all on him and you don't have to worry about what your actions were. So Justin, if you're getting two meetings a year and you're getting a couple phone calls and emails, what are you hoping to get out of them? What's the most important thing for you and your family at this point to gain from all that, the, from all that communication with the advisor? I think part of it is just um, updates, getting, getting some information on, on where, where our accounts are at. But also I think the biggest thing we look forward is just kind of a, a forecast. What's, what's coming up, what we should be planning for, things to expect. And there's that key word that Justin said, planning. The big thing that overwhelming clients want and that very few advisors give them is a financial plan or financial projection, but a piece of paper that is their roadmap. And this is vitally important to talk to your advisor about. Why don't I have a roadmap from you? I should be able to see that in five years, I'm going to do a kitchen renovation and here's where my money's going to come from for that. My boys are going off to university, college in 15, 16 years, and I want to know how much money they'll have and whether we're on the pace to get there or not. Also, there's some other services that many advisors provide that you need to know whether you need them or don't. So for example, do you get budgeting support? Many families find that they're living paycheck to paycheck these days. Maybe you want to find an advisor who can help you with that. Do you get retirement projections? Do you get help with life's major purchases like a home, a once in a lifetime vacation, or your child's education? Do you get unbiased insurance advice from your advisor? Will he happily do an insurance overview with you to talk about how much insurance you might need and what is his position on it? And as we talked about in the first segment, make sure you always ask an advisor if they have a fiduciary responsibility to you or just a good level of care duty to you. You really want a fiduciary responsibility. So Justin, do you currently have like a retirement projection, a plan in place for the family? We do. I think we could have some more detail than what we have at this point. That's a great point. And, and how often, you know, would you like to see that reviewed and how often do you think you need to have that updated? Um... Right now, I would say probably a couple times a year, but uh, again, things change. I mean, we've got a fairly young family now as we start getting closer to our kids moving away, or if we look at, you know, starting to get more serious about retirement planning or moving houses, like mm-hmm. renovations, things like that. You said, I think that that might change over the course of time, right? And it usually does, Justin. And for most people, things are not static. It's important to note that if you do get a financial projection done, that is step one, but not the last step. Projections, we always say, plans, they're good for about two years. So you need an entirely new look about every two years, and you need to review the projection you have every six months, three months. You don't want to do a micro. By that, I mean you don't want to look at your account every day. It's really not helpful. It doesn't really produce great results for you or the advisor. But what you really want to be doing is making sure that over the longer term, you're getting what you were promised and that you're getting good return for your money. Because as I mentioned, it is the third largest expense for a Canadian family is their financial advice. 
And the way that your advisor gets compensated is very important. So Justin, do you know how your financial advisor currently gets compensated? I'll be honest, I don't really know. And I'll be honest, I'm not surprised in the slightest. Uh, the amazing stat, which I think I've said on the show several times already, 53% of Canadians do think they pay nothing for financial advice. And now I know Justin and Keeley understand they're paying something, but you should always be very clear on what you're paying, both in terms of a percent and in terms of a dollar value. So for the show, I did some calculations back at the office. If you have $500,000 with the investment strategies team, you will be paying us $6,875, which is 1.375% on that money. Now that sounds like a huge dollar amount, but it's worth noting that the average Canadian pays between two and two and a half percent. So we're actually a full 1% below the average on that half million dollars. We offer a fee for service model, which means that as you give us more money, we put our fees lower and you pay us less per dollar. That means that our incentives are aligned with yours. We want you to save more, so we make more money and you pay less fee. And we also want you to earn money on your investments so that again, that 1.37%, it does go down, but naturally we keep earning more money as you keep earning more money. We're now a team, we have a similar focus and that's what's important. So if you don't know, and again, a lot of people don't, you really should be asking. There's a ton of different ways this can work. There's transactional where you pay a percent every time you buy or sell something. There's a trailer commission where you end up with a fund and the advisor actually gets paid every year you hold it. This really encourages him not to sell the fund, not necessarily because he thinks it's a great fund, but because he's getting paid a lot more money by holding onto it than other funds. And at the end of the day, you got to ask yourself, if you're paying out $6,000 a year, what are you getting for your money? So that does it for our second segment. Justin's kind of looking at me thinking, I actually didn't realize I pay that much. And I think he's going to go home and call his advisor. Uh, when we get back for our third and final segment, we're going to talk about what a good advisor relationship looks like, the trust it builds, and why it's really a pillar of your financial life moving forward. You're listening to The Investment Strategy Show with Brent and Scott Bullis, a special financial broadcast on TSN 1260. We'll get right back to it after this. TSN 1260 has sent you to some of the biggest sporting events in some of the coolest places on earth with our ultimate sports trips. This time around, we're giving you the role of TSN 1260 Scandinavian Scout as Edmonton takes on New Jersey and Sweden. But it's just a fancy title we made up. You won't have any power to make any actual roster moves. Starting Monday, when you hear the cue to call, be caller 10 at 444-1260 to qualify to win the ultimate sports trip for two to Sweden to see McDavid versus Hall in their season opener. You'll get flights to see amazing sights throughout Denmark and Sweden. And finally, land at Scandinavian Stadium to see the most amazing sight of all, hockey in a foreign country where language barriers don't exist because every Everyone just screams their face off. The ultimate sports trip of a lifetime, number 19, hockey in Sweden. Powered by Azercan.net and Edmonton's ultimate sports leader, TSN 1260. You've probably heard the banks claim they have exceptional customer service. Well, at Service Credit Union, we have great customer service too. We call it treating you like a person. And this top-rated customer service guarantees all, not just some, of your deposits. Which, in case you haven't heard, not everyone does. And if that wasn't enough, your loyalty also earns you Profit Share Rewards cash. Believe it, you can feel good about your money at Service Credit Union. 
Presenting the tippy top of the Glassmaster's man pile, Miles. We've got the best customers in Canada, so we decided to reward you with the fastest prize. Go get a free quote online now, and you're instantly entered to win a trip for two to the U.S. Grand Prix in Austin, Texas. Air Hotel Transportation Grandstand Passes, Champions Club Access, Behind the Garage Tours, and more. Get in the fast lane and get your quote online now at GlassmastersAutoglass.com. GlassmastersAutoglass.com. Show us your crap. Welcome back to the Investment Strategy Show, a special financial broadcast on TSN 1260. Here's your financial coaches, Brent and Scott Bullis. Thank you so much for tuning back in for the Investment Strategy Show for this August 19th. I'm Adam Pfizer alongside Justin, our very special guest host for the week. In segment one, we went over why a bank advisor might not be the best solution to you. In segment two, we kind of reviewed the things you need to be looking for when you're with your current advisor or potentially getting a new advisor. In this third and final segment, we're going to talk about why having an advisor is so important and how it can really help you in terms of your long-term financial success. So Justin, what do you think the difference is between a Canadian who doesn't have a financial advisor and one that does? I think it can be different things. I think some people are just more actively involved in their investments, um, maybe just more tuned into kind of future planning. I think some people I know, I know myself, a bit of a procrastinator when it comes to financial planning. So I think some people just maybe don't want to have those conversations or maybe just aren't interested. It's a great way of putting it, Justin. I mean, clearly we all make money, we all have money, and we all need, know we need to do something with it. That's the good news for Canada as a whole. The bad news is the difference between having an advisor and not having an advisor, according to the Canadian government, is about 51% of wow. your net worth at the end. Yeah, it's a big difference. And this makes a little bit of sense. Uh, even if you're pretty good at saving on your own, think of a professional athlete. How many of them have no coaches? Clearly none of them. There's a ton of coaches, whether whatever sport you happen to be enjoying. And the coaches are really there to make sure you get the most performance out of your effort. And that's what a good financial advisor does for you, is we make sure that you're on plan. We can help you through the tough times by motivating you and keeping you focused and also making sure that you're getting the best advice for you rather than generic advice or sometimes to be honest, completely wrong advice from the internet and making sure that those three things happen throughout your life for all the major choices you're going to make is what you can really benefit from, from having an advisor. And that results, like I said, in an over 50% increase in the total assets you have when you comes time for retirement. Now, Justin mentioned procrastination. This is a big one. A lot of people think financial projections, financial planning is going to be very expensive. And I'll be honest, it can be. But the other solution is to simply call us and we'll happily go through a projection with you before you even sign up. It is 100% free. And I'm going to be honest, there's plenty of advisors out there that offer a similar service. Yes, we're naturally trying to establish whether we're a good fit and a good connection for our business so that we can hopefully recruit you as a client. But that doesn't change the value of my advice. I'm still going to give you a full projection, talk about how much you should be saving, where you should be saving it, and how that can lead to long-term success for you and your family. One of the major pitfalls people fall into is they think that because they've had advice once, it's set in stone. It's not. As you progress through life, like Justin said, get closer to retirement, kids get closer to school, you need some different advice, some different strategies than what you currently have. So what identifies a good advisor from a bad advisor? Well, it turns out the government of Canada, again, has produced a great questionnaire for us. Justin, what are some of the questions people should really be asking when they sit down with that advisor? Uh, some of the most important questions you should be asking are information about their education and professional experience, uh, how long the firm they work for has been in business, 
um, in terms of the products they offer, I guess first, which products and services they do offer, uh, if the products they offer are registered with securities regulator. These are all great points, Justin. And, uh, you know, they probably sound pretty basic, but the fact that government has to put them on a website tells you how few people ever ask. I'm always amazed at how many people, for example, don't know what educational designations their advisor has or if they have any. It just kind of seems to be a given that if the banks hired them, they must be very good or very knowledgeable about the area they're in. Products they offer is another really big one. There's a whole group of advisors out there, some of whom do very good work, called mutual fund dealers. As the name would indicate, they only sell mutual funds. If you want to buy an ETF, if you want to buy an individual stock, they can't put you in them. And I can tell you mutual funds have a place, but they're also very expensive. So you're naturally going to end up paying higher fees when you go with a mutual fund dealer than if you went with an IROC representative. These are all important points. What are some of the other things people should look for when they're interviewing a new advisor? I One of the big ones is references from previous clients. Um, just get a baseline of how other people have experienced the firm. and Exactly. Uh, references are really important. And then here's the key. References are one thing, but make sure the people are genuine and make sure they're somewhat like you. As I mentioned, you might get a guy who thinks that owning all marijuana stocks all the time is the greatest investment of his life because he loves the excitement of seeing the ups and the downs. You, on the other hand, might be a much more conservative investor and be thinking, you know what? I'm good. I don't need to see 4 or 5% up or down in a day to get my kicks. Make sure the guy you're talking to represents someone like you. Make sure he hasn't been too coached by the advisor. These are all important things. And then there's getting down to the kind of the more nitty gritty, the area that clients really don't bring up. And there are two very important things you should always ask. So first of all, how does your advisor, Justin, pick the investments for you and your family? And you know, Adam, I think that goes back to a point you made earlier on that was eye-opening for me is just that idea of fiduciary responsibility. I would have assumed that that would be the case. And certainly I've got a level of comfort with the advisors we currently use, but I honestly can't say conclusively that I know how those decisions are made. So. And this is just it. You should know how the decisions are made and you should absolutely make sure they're made in a very professional procedural way. There's a huge number of people in our industry that are generally picking investments based on kind of the flavor of the day. This is doing really good the last few weeks, so I'm going with it. And that's actually how they manage money. You should make sure they have a process, that there's a step-by-step process for every investment that fits the need of the client and is in their best interest. Make sure that when that process is followed, it is for each investment and make sure the process makes sense to you. They should really be using some sort of computer. There should be a process that has an algorithm in it. They should not be trusting their guts. They should not be trusting other humans. You want the computer to make the final decision. There's a plethora of research showing that this produces much better results when you're thinking of which product to buy for a client. And then finally, and we're running out of time here for this week, but this is the most important part. Please make sure your advisor tells you what their sell discipline is. If you pick the greatest stock in the world and it shoots up for you, at some point it will not be the greatest stock and it will start going down. When are you getting out? Does the advisor know when to sell? A lot of clients are surprised to learn that their advisor will not sell after a 5% market decline, 10% market decline, 20% market decline. If you at least get the advisor to commit to you that they're going to make an attempt to contact you and talk to you about it after a certain loss, you'll feel much better. On the other hand, Justin's looking a little horrified at the moment, if the advisor's just going to tell you straight up that you're going to lose 30% and I'm not going to change my investing approach, we're going to keep putting money in and hope it works out in the long run, Ask yourself if you're really okay with that. The vast majority of humans are not okay with that. After about a 20% loss, it really hurts. And after a 30% loss, it's called capitulation. 
you almost certainly will sell. The problem, of course, is after that level of losses, you're selling very near the bottom. You are much better off going with someone who sells a little earlier or a lot earlier, preferably, because not only do you not incur the losses, but you're likely to stay invested. Again, we've said this before on the show, but 2008 caused a lot of damage, not the least of which was people decided to stop investing. And they stopped investing because, simply put, it turned out they lost so much money, they didn't want to have to experience that again. Well, I want to give Justin a big thank you for being in this week. Thanks for having me in. It was a pleasure to be here. Yeah, and I want all our listeners to know that I will be walking out with Justin and making sure he's got his questions in hand to ask his advisor, as you should be asking your advisor, to make sure that you're looked after properly going forward. If you want to call us to have us have a look at your portfolio, talk to you about what a good fit we might be, or just have a financial projection done like I mentioned, please give us a call at 780-944-2700. We're there five days a week, and all we want to do is educate and help you because in this particular regard, we really feel Canadians need better education, a little more help, to make sure we all have a better financial future. Thank you so much for listening and enjoy your weekend. This radio show is prepared by Brent and Scott Bullis, who are registered portfolio managers with Hollis Wealth, a division of Industrial Alliance Securities, Inc. This radio show is not an official program of Hollis Wealth. The views, including any recommendations expressed during this show, are those of Brent and Scott Bullis alone and are not endorsed or approved by Hollis Wealth or Industrial Alliance Securities, Inc. Hollis Wealth is a registered trademark of Industrial Alliance Securities, Inc. Hollis Wealth is a division of Industrial Alliance Securities, Inc., a member of Canadian Investor Protection Fund, CIPF, and the Investment Industry Regulatory Organization of Canada. Brent and Scott Bullis have been your host of the Investment Strategy Show. Join them again next Sunday morning at 8. The Investment Strategy Show is a paid commercial broadcast and does not necessarily reflect the views of TSN 1260 or Bell Media.